Uh, so we are adding on this is the first time we've uh, done this, but after we shot Zach's uh, interview uh, last week, we became Facebook friends, and one of the posts um, was that I started to look through and read through. Looked as if Zach uh, might have almost died in an event in Florida years and years ago. 20 years. 20 years ago. It's crazy. So I made a comment on there and said, yo, how did that not come up in the interview last week? I feel like you're holding out on me. And so sounds like it sparked uh, some memories um, of your time in Florida because we briefly will touch as the listeners or watchers uh, watch and listen to the episode. Um, But, you know, you didn't say a whole lot about Florida, just that you had went back, the wake surf thing, maybe talked about an injury, but not like I almost died. Yeah, I think it mainly just talked (laughs) about injuries that... um that I was having constantly yes. from the wakeboarding and wake skating. But yes. Yeah. So yeah, tell me, um, that was pretty gnarly. So yeah, I moved down to Florida, uh, February of 2002, I think. When was nine 11? Uh, Oh one. Oh one. So yeah. it was 2002 cause I was in the hospital for nine 11 one year and I was kind of freaked out, but, okay. um, so yeah, I moved to Florida then. Got a job at the Universal Studios as the Jaws skipper. So I gave a little tour around the little Amity. And um, did that for a few months because the place I wanted to work wasn't hiring yet, the Orlando Water Sports Complex, which is where I got hurt. So I did Jaws for like three or four months. Summer was starting to hit because this was February when I moved down. Um, And the cable park needed more employees. So I already had my application in, I was going out there riding on my days off. Um, and I was always asking the guy, Hey, do you need more help? Do you need more help? And, uh, I had a long history of wakeboarding here in, uh, the Pacific Northwest. So I was like, I, I can do this. I'm, this is what I was born to do. It was my passion. And, uh, so finally I got the job, worked at it for all of summer. And then in September, September 9th, um, one of the carriers that holds the rope. Um, and if you don't know what a cable park is, we'll put in a video clip right now. Okay. <laughs> Actually, speaking of that, uh, when we were driving from Sacramento back up here, you saw um, that one cable they park. They have a big old yep. park off to the right there. Well, yeah. when you're heading north. So you see those big wheels yep. that the cable goes around. Yep. Um, there's two cables vertically stacked on each other about a foot apart. And in between them are the little carriers that hold the rope. Well, one of the carriers was bent, so it was at an angle, if you can see this on the camera. And so when it went around the wheel, it uh, popped the cable off. Mm. So we, I didn't do it, but I was fixing something else at that day because I was at work. And so because my boss knew I could help, I think uh, he had me go up with him and another guy. So there's three of us on this little dock floating in the water on 30 feet of industrial shelving. It wasn't even scaffolding. And we uh, clamp onto the cable, um, with, and then we get a big, huge come along. like It's like 80 pounds, and we couldn't connect to the other clamp because we had to go around this bracket that's holding the wheel out. So we get a extension cable, like a two, three-foot piece of cable, and it's li- uh, looped and crimped to itself. He has me stick the cable through this metal bracket that's clamped onto the cable 
and pull it back through itself. And right when I did that, because of the construction I had had a couple years before out of high school, I was like, this is not how you hook up a cable. But me being in a hurry and already upset that I'm even having to fix this guy's problem, Mm -hmm. I just said, fine, whatever. I wasn't thinking what could happen would happen. Um, And plus, I was wearing just board shorts and flip-flops. No safety shirt, no jacket, no nothing. Mm. And um, we were cranking it, cranking it, got a bunch of slack. We were like two inches or an inch away from getting the cable back on. Um, I tell him, hey, do you want me to just ratchet it? He's like, no, let Jacob do it. So I go and sit. Now, you know, years later, I realized he was putting me in between where the cable would break and himself. So I was like a protective wall. Um, the guy grabbed it. And right before he started to crank, I was sitting down flat on the uh, shelving. And there was like a little lip about six inches tall on each side. I ended up moving to that lip to sit up a little higher. And on the second click, the cable behind me broke and it was frayed. It was like an inch thick cable and it was all frayed and came wrapping around my body, grabbed my arm, picked me up, spun me around and threw me on the decking. So all I remember is the loud explosion and my body being thrown and then stopped. And I remember like catching myself like this and my sunglasses and like all the stuff we had was just falling into the water. And I pushed myself up and I looked at the other two guys and I was like, are you guys okay? And my boss goes, the cable, he's German, so the cable broke. And I was like thinking to myself, well, no shit. <laughs> like, why do you think I was on the ground? And then I looked at my arm because um, I could just feel something and all the skin was gone and pulled back and it was just white. And then all of a sudden the blood just started to come out. So not having a shirt or anything, my boss took off his shirt. They had me lay down. Uh, they started to wrap up my arm in the shirt. And here and by this time, people heard and saw what happened. So a bunch of my friends were riding over at the other park, and they swam over, and they were all pushing the dock to one of the towers so I could climb down and then walk back to where we could get paramedics and stuff. And uh, I remember laying there on the decking, looking up while they were wrapping my arm and thinking, like, okay, no one knows you because I had two roommates, but they had moved back to uh, Oregon. So I had like new roommates. Everyone was a stranger. And I just said, do not pass out. You need to keep your shit together and get your ass to safety. Mm -hmm. So I climbed down with one arm, holding my arm like this and uh, got back to the dock. Luckily there was a uh, San Francisco retired paramedic there with his daughter who was wakeboarding. And he got all the first aid kit out and field dressed my arm, Mm -hmm. assessed it. So when the ambulance and the fireman showed up, he's like, okay, this is what it is. Leave it as it is, you know, get his ass to the hospital. And um, the firemen, when they showed up, they're like, we can't believe you're alive. Like when we heard what happened, we were thinking we're gonna have to take your body out of the cable. Like it's up there Mm. still. And so I was like, whoa, really? (laughs) Like it didn't even hit me. And then my friends were uh, videotaping me with my video camera, getting in the ambulance and stuff. And I was, I'm thinking in my head, I'm just going to get some stitches and I'll be out. You know, I'll be back here in a week or two. And my buddy goes, think you're going to need a skin graft? And I was like, no. Get to the hospital. The plastic surgeon looks at my picture, or they take pictures, send it to the plastic surgeon. And uh, he comes back a couple hours later. and He's like, okay, we got to take a skin graft and put you under and you're going to have to have surgery. Like, this is 
we got to get going on this right now. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, do you want to call your parents? And I was like, no, let's wait till afterwards and I'll call my parents. So, um, he went in, they shaved skin off my hip and, uh, place it on my arm. I wake up in the hospital and my arms like strapped to the bed and they have a big, huge bandage stapled to my arm that says, do not touch. And I think that's in one of the yes, photos I posted. Yes. Um, they finally took that off after a day and I had like 150 some odd staples and stitches in my arm with the skin graft and stuff. Oh, um, called my parents. They freaked out a little bit. Yeah made arrangements to fly down um to orlando i was in the hospital for i think 11 days and i got out i literally got out the day my parents showed up and then i stayed in orlando for about six weeks flew back home started doing all the physical therapy stuff uh nine nine months off work two years of physical therapy of like all sorts of different stuff because the impact that the cable did broke my nerve that controlled my bicep and tricep. So I had tremendous atrophy, no usage. So like we had to do electric shock therapy to the muscles to help the nerves learn how to regrow. Um, so that took like two years for that to do, but wakeboarding and wake skating after I got released was a huge help in strengthening my arm because I was constantly using it, holding the handle, mm. which was a definite benefit. Okay. Yeah. And then 10 years after the accident, I found out from one of the employees who threw away the cable because it wasn't there for when we called OSHA and when my parents showed up, my dad wanted to see it. It was a bike lock cable. <laughs> like if I could have known that back then, that would have been Zach's, water sports complex <laughs> well that's i mean well being in insurance all i'm thinking yeah. of it's like shouldn't the cable or whatever manufacturer been the ones coming out to fix that you think so or? but this industry <laughs> being pretty new yeah. to the states and my employer owner of the company not aware of american laws and stuff since he was from another country mm. um he tried he tried not even notify osha of the accident so my dad called osha filed a report and they came out and gave him like a 40 or 60 thousand dollar fine because not just from what happened to me but all these other safety things that weren't done right like a handrail for the stairs going down to this deck there was no handrail I had to put those in um Kind of a cool thing, they use my arm photos when they train cable operators at all the cable parks now in the country. So well, they, Can you get some money from that? I, I mean, should. You had to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of them will let me ride there for free if I ever make it back out there. I really miss riding on the cable. I want to get back out soon. Love to go back to Orlando and see my friends down there. Oh, you still got friends that are... Yeah, yeah a bunch of my friends still ride all the time and are still kind of sponsored and okay. it's changed a lot in the last 20 years, but, uh, yeah, man. Um, so you mentioned before we put the headphones on why you went down there. Um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, so, you know, it was a couple years. I think the first big loss was my grandpa on my dad's side. Um, that was pretty hit me hard. Um, 
And then a good friend of my dad's and mine, but my dad worked with Dan Chandler. He passed away. I had another friend, Christy Ward, get in a car accident. She passed away, someone I grew up with. And then my buddy, Greg <clears throat> Wineland, um, he passed away at a young age uh, just from health issues that he had as a child and everything. And I remember when all those kind of happened in, uh, I think it was like 1999, 2000, I decided I want to move to either California or Florida. And two of my friends, Brett Jackson and Brian Wiebe, were like, hey, we're going to move to Florida for the summer or for the winter and wakeboard and then come home in the summer and wakeboard here. I was like, shoot, that sounds like fun. While I got the knees, I might as well do that and I can save California for whenever. And so I went down there not knowing really what to do except I wanted to wake skate and wakeboard as much as I can. Um, Got the job and then I just, it became my passion to where I was just thinking about wake skating all the time. Not at work, not on the water. I was thinking about about doing it. Mm. Yeah. So after that injury i mean you said it was like two years like before you before the doctors actually like released me and then i wasn't getting workers comp um, insurance stuff for different treatments and physical therapy um so when did you start doing all that again or had you already started before you were fully clear (laughs) i was i couldn't ride the cable but I was going out behind friends' boats and doing some okay. wake surfing because it wasn't a lot of strain. I really still had no muscle control in my arm. Um, that took a long time to come back. But forcing myself to do it really helped um, speed up that process. Yeah. So, like, yeah, they when after the injury and after my skin graft healed up, they did some tests on my arm, and I had pretty much 25% use. The only reason I could bend my elbow is because there's a little muscle right here that connects your arm. Um, so yeah, 25% use after the accident, after the two years of therapy and everything, I got to 98.5 or something like that. Mm. So good, good comeback. Like the doctor, the plastic surgeon, he said, you'll never wakeboard again. Like you'll never have full use of your arm again. And I like, I just put it off like, yeah, you, whatever you don't, you don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask you like, were you nervous or scared or to to get back holding a rope? I was more nervous, I think, going back to work and having to work on the cable. Mm. Um, being around something that has a lot of built-up energy. Like, all of a sudden now I feel connected to like those kind of situations. Like, I can tell, oh, there's a lot of... St- you could get hurt right now, <laughs> basically. Uh, so I, that took a while. And then, so like the doctor, or they took photos of my arm. And before I surgery, I was like, hey can you email me those? And they're like, yeah, you sure? And I was like, yeah, I want, I want to look at them eventually. It took me two weeks before I could get the strength to mentally look at the arm and see what it looked like. Because there was, I mean, I never once cried, but I was always really depressed and uh, fearful of what was now going to happen to my life because something that I was so passionate about had been taken away from me. Mm-hmm. But it also gave me the strength to work hard, overcome the injury and the, uh, what's the word, restriction I had mm-hmm. with the use of my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I after the injury, I ended up inventing some new, some wake skate tricks that had never been done before. And uh, I won world, world, no, national tour 
championships and won a bunch of different trophies and medals and stuff for wake skating and wakeboarding. Wow. Uh, yeah. When I was looking at that post, I was, I was thinking like, who's that skinny guy (laughs) (laughs) with all that hair? (laughs) He's got hair. (laughs) Um, no, what I was like, while I was chuckling to myself and I thought I'm going to actually comment on this is because the whole idea of this podcast, well, a big part of it is, is, you know, the struggle of the story and, and overcoming it and how you did and why you did. And then I thought, holy crap, like this looks like he could have died from this event and everything he talked about was he still did this. So he had to have went through something and then got back on the board and I didn't realize you went back to work <laughs> at, at the place. place. Yeah. Cause it was, the, it was my dream job. And I was like, well, I'm not going to sue him and go down that road. Cause we didn't have the evidence to prove that he put me in harm's way. Mm. Um, so, and it was a dream job. I mean, being able to wake skate and wakeboard yeah. every day and get paid for it and got a bunch of sponsors from it. And yeah. it even helped me with those friendships of professional wakeboarders down there because you're all there. So it's a smaller community. Mm-hmm. Um, help those relationships bloom to where I still am in contact with a bunch of them. And, you know, I've brought them to Oregon to do stuff. Um, and then just even the, a lot of the companies still sponsored me when I moved back to Oregon because mm-hmm. I then I still did continue wakeboarding and putting out video content on DVDs um, before there was really the internet of showcasing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, I was just thinking about there must be so much more money in that sport now than there was 20 years ago. Definitely in the boats. Okay. Um, I don't know how much riders are making. I know okay. for a while there was a big hit. When okay. we had our recession, a lot of riders had to find jobs. Okay. Um, they weren't making the money because no one was spending money on boats. And, and that was, I felt like the cool thing about cable parks is you don't need a boat. It runs on electricity. Mm-hmm. More people can do it at once mm-hmm. and really create that love. And then that's like the next stepping stone. like, okay, I don't want to go to the cable park anymore and wait in line. I want my own boat and go out all day. And I feel like, Oregon's missing that. So if anyone wants to develop a cable park, I got the greatest location. I don't have the money, but I'll help you run it. <laughs> and I'll shoot photos, but not for free. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to ask uh, if Oregon had one. I've always, in the one in Sacramento, because I have all my family is, is down there, um, I've always driven that for so many years. I mean, we've been here since the mid-90s. Um, and then I thought like, who owns that? Like, how do you even, I just remember when it was built and I was like, that's awesome. But I wonder who owns and operates that. And like, how does that even come to be a thing? And you got to buy the land. And so some friends of mine that I've become friends with, they own one in Texas and uh, they had to build the lake. They had to dig it out, bring in water. Another one I knew of in Kansas city, they had to bring in water too. But once you get the water in there and then get a couple seasons of rain, they pretty much, hold themselves. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's more than just a cable park. You want to have other amenities around like yeah. the one in Texas, they have skateboarding, um, a motocross track. They also mm-hmm. put in an artificial snowboard hill. Now, Sweet. um, they got like a restaurant bar, you know, they, okay. they tried to cater to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed the one in sack and maybe it's been this way for a while and I just didn't notice it. But, um, what yesterday when we were driving back two days ago, 
there was like a second portion of it that it seemed as though it was like just a big like jungle gym. Yeah, like just the a inflatable. Big play- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they'll typically they'll do like week long camps in the summer. So you go drop your kid off in the morning, pick them up after work, mm, gotcha. and then the kids just play, learn how to ride, you know, swim, do gotcha. all that stuff, which is super smart. Yeah, we just did. Um, when I worked at in Orlando, we'd do a kids camp and it'd just be for the week, teach the kids at whatever skill level they were, um, how to get better and just give them time on the water. Sweet. Yeah. Well, we just got to find someone with a bunch of money. Seriously. That wants to do that. Yeah. Put a hotel in on site. Hotel. That's key. Okay. Restaurant. You'll take the photos. Yeah. Um, I'll help design the sliders and kickers and rails. Can't <laughs> with, believe I just said sliders. <laughs> with, without bike cables, so we'll, we'll use the proper yeah. equipment. <laughs> we'll get a different crew of high wire technicians to check oh, it and everything. Man, that and that's is... the thing. Like most cable parks now, they'll do inspections yeah. every night after yeah. uh, they're done riding. Just yeah. like the theme park. Like when I worked at Universal, every night the rides would close down. Close down there'd be a whole crew come in and inspect every square inch of the rides. And we just never did that. It was like, yeah, poor running a business. Yeah. Well, and like you said, um, back then was probably the early days of all there that was, kind of stuff. There was only five cable parks in the country at that time. And, yeah. and now, you know, now they're using your photos to say, don't do, but before that, I mean, there probably wasn't a whole lot of thought on what bad things could happen. Oh, no. I mean, or... we weren't even wearing safety harnesses when we'd climb up to, to do things to the cable. <laughs> like, if there's a rope stuck, you'd have to climb up there and hang over it and reach down underneath, trying to unhang it. And then if you couldn't, there was a little metal like seat that had like a L bracket that came down. And you'd hang that on the cable and then climb out and sit on that. <laughs> I can't believe I did it. Like the first few weeks I was like petrified and then what you kind of get comfortable doing it and then yeah. you get that confidence and it's like, no, nothing, no yeah. big thing. Run up there. You'd be running up in flip flops. <laughs> Shit we do when we're young. Oh man. <laughs> uh, well, your life, you made it through yeah. that. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming and adding that. Absolutely. That thanks was for having too, me back. That was too funny. I mean, I was just scrolling and then I was like, <laughs> We, it's, we just talked about his life story. I often forget about it. Yeah, I forget about my arm just like I forget about the tattoo on my back. <laughs> you just don't see it. You don't know it's there. <laughs> That's funny too because uh, I I saw a photo and I was like, oh, he's got a giant tattoo on his back. <laughs> you never would think I just got this little one on my calf and one on my foot. You can never see. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Look forward to your next podcast. Heck yeah. Anyone wants to sponsor this guy, do it. Thank you.